Lord, we need you this morning. We really do, Lord. We really do need you this morning. We need you every day. And Lord, as we're seeking to be transformed into the image of disciples, Lord, we need you. We want to look like you, Jesus. So as we begin this process in earnest, uh, I pray that you would send your grace, send your peace, uh, and, and the enabling power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the ushers are going to, thank you guys, pass out uh, our sermon notes this morning. Now this, actually, we're breaking an ironclad rule of hermeneutics, or homiletics, excuse me, is that you, you never pass stuff out while you're talking, and we're just breaking that today, because this is essentially our sermon notes. They're, they're um, a, a little bit more uh, organized than typical sermon notes. Someone said to me after the first service, you should give me your notes every week. I said, no, you don't want to see my notes. I promise you that. Um, but this time, we were prepared. So we want to make this um, as practical as we can. Of course, we're talking about rhythms of a disciple. And a lot of people use the word uh, spiritual disciplines for this or spiritual exercises. Whatever you want to call it, it's pretty much the same thing. The, the you know, disciples of Jesus have, uh, ever since he walked the earth, had basic things that they did on a regular basis. Um, and sometimes I think in the modern world we've shied away from that a little bit because we say it's all about grace. And it is. We're saved by grace. We're not, we're not suggesting that spiritual exercises or disciplines can save you. They can't. Only Christ can save you. But I wonder if sometimes we've swung too far the other direction to think, well, so we can just live totally loosey-goosey, haphazard lives and expect to grow. We can't. We can't grow that way. So that's been an overcorrection throughout the centuries. So what we want to do is dig some of those ancient wells. Remember, we're bringing out treasures new and old. So we're bringing out some of the older treasures here. And the first one that, that we uh, uh, are, are bringing is uh, reading Scripture. People have organized uh, these things in many different ways. Uh, we are doing it this way. The first four weeks we're going to talk about uh, daily rhythms, and the, the next four will be weekly. Uh, you can, there's, there's so much overlap, there's so many different ways you can organize these and do these. This isn't the one way, this is just a, a way that we've chosen to see them. So we ask for, for grace as we go through this. Uh, we're just trying to make it practical. So, reading scripture. Now, um, with all of these, our goal is to be more like Christ. A disciple in the old days, when Jesus walked the earth, a disciple's goal was to be like the rabbi. They would dress like the rabbi, they would speak like the rabbi, they would pray like the rabbi. Their goal was to be like him. And that is our goal, too, as disciples of Jesus. So, what did Jesus do that made him, that, that, that gave him the strength of character to go through what he did? Yes, yes, I know the Father had special attention for sure. But we can, we can walk through the same things that he walked through uh, and, uh, and have, I bet, a whole lot more success than many of us have had in our lives. Uh, he, didn't, he, he wasn't winging it when temptation came. He wasn't winging it in day-by-day -day life. He, he had an ordered life, and he had certain things that every day, I think, were a part of his rhythm. The first one was reading Scripture. The first time we see this really clearly is in, in the end of Luke chapter 2. We see Jesus the boy. You remember this story? Jesus 
uh, was with his family when they were in Jerusalem for the, the feast, and then he, they, they forgot him. I'm not going to ask how many people have ever forgotten their kids somewhere, <laughs> but I was forgotten when I was a little boy. Oh, yes. I haven't reminded my parents of that in some time. I need to do that after the service. But they forgot Jesus. Now, they were with a really big caravan of people, probably hundreds of people, and they realized three days into the trip home that they had left him in the place. You don't want to leave him. It's Jerusalem at feast time. There's probably hundreds of thousands of pilgrims from all over the empire that are there. It's very crowded. It's crazy. But they go back there and they search. They search the different courtyards. They search Solomon's portico. They're searching all of these areas. And finally, they see him. And it took them a while to see him because there were a whole bunch of bigger people around in robes. And he's not just sitting at their feet listening. He's speaking. He's arguing, perhaps. He's discussing the finer points of the Torah. He's discussing the Word of God as an equal. And he's 12 years old. 12 years old. Really amazing. He says to his parents, Why did you seek me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? And then it says this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in wisdom and he increased in stature and height. You get this. So as he's growing into a man, he's also growing in his understanding. Now that should do something to our, our, our understanding of who Jesus was. Jesus had to grow in wisdom. Jesus had to grow in understanding. Look at what Solomon says here in Proverbs 3. My son, don't forget my teaching, uh, uh, don't, uh, sorry, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years and, and uh, peace they will add to you. Let not, or let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Uh, bind them about your neck. Write them on the table of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now think about the verse we just read. You're going to find favor with God and man. Solomon is basically saying, listen, you put the word of God in your heart you, you, you write it on your heart, tie it around your neck. You make this a part of who you are. You will grow in not only in wisdom, but in favor with God and man. And then we see Jesus, a thousand years later, demonstrating that in his life. This right here, he's proving Solomon's point. So if Jesus can grow in, in favor and in wisdom from the scriptures, if he had to do that, we had to do that too. See, I think sometimes we get the idea that Jesus... Here's a great uh, late 90s reference for you. That Jesus was like, you know, he got a matrix download. I need the book of Isaiah. Whoa. Like, like that. Now, some of you are too old to get that reference. Some of you are too young. But I promise you it's an awesome reference. <laughs> so, it, I don't think it was an automatic thing. I don't think God just said, here is... Because when he came to earth, it says in Philippians chapter 2, he did not regard equality with God as the thing to be grasped. So he set those things aside and took the, uh, uh, the form of a man, of a bondservant. In other words, he took his omniscience, his omnipotence, and he set them on the shelf so he could come down as an actual child. And that's what happened. So in other words, then... He's got to grow just like we do. How did he grow in the scriptures? How did he become so brilliant even at a young age? You guys, he had to do it the old-fashioned way, by reading the scriptures, by reading them consistently, by meditating on them, by putting them in his heart. And if we are going to be followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be his disciples, we need to do the same thing. It's an essential part of, of who we are. 
Jesus, uh, we have 78 instances where Jesus quoted Scripture in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 78 different times. Scripture for him was the Old Testament. And those quotes weren't just from a narrow piece of Scripture. He's not just quoting, quoting the Psalms or something. 24 of the 39 Old Testament books are represented in his quotations. He knew the Scripture backwards and forwards. There are a lot of scholars who, uh, who have suspected uh, and, and found research that suggests that boys uh, at this day and age, before they turned 13 years old, would have, memorized, would have had to memorize uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, word for word, the entire Pentateuch. Now that's pretty impressive. And whether or not that's exactly true of this time period, it's really difficult to tell. The scholarship isn't that clear. But whether uh, or not that's true, you can see just how much he had memorized. Because when he's quoting scripture, he can't pull up his, his, his YouVersion app. Okay? He doesn't have a Pinterest board with all kinds of cool memes with scripture. Be still and know that I'm God. You know? He doesn't have that. Where did he get it then? He got it from in here. He got it from in here because he was constantly putting it in. So, I suggest it's important to us too. Now, I want to look at three different ways um, of interacting with Scripture. Like I said, we're starting with the daily rhythms and we'll get to weekly rhythms as well. Um, this one, I believe, is a, is, ought to be a daily rhythm. Uh, but there's different ways each day that you can go through it. Uh, you don't have to do the same thing every day. Sort of like cardio. You know, you're working out for something. It's like, I need to do some cardio today. Do you need to run? You could run. You could ride your bike. You can do all different ways to do cardio. I think it could be the same thing with Scripture. Different things on different days. The point is, continue putting it inside you. One of the ways we interact with Scripture is study. Study and sh uh, show your, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that uh, needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, uh, Paul says to Timothy. And uh, this is a, uh, a good thing we see over and over again, an admonishment to understand, to seek to understand the Scripture. In studying, we read paragraphs and chapters, not verses, not only verses. Now, I want to lay this out a little bit. We're going to look at three different ways of looking at Scripture. This is only the first one. But in studying, what we're not looking for is just snippets. We're not looking for an inspiring verse that will get you through the day. That's not the point. The point in studying is to understand. We, we need to find context, in other words. And if you're only dealing with one verse, it's impossible to find any context. So the point of studying is to, is to figure out what, is, what does it actually mean? <laughs> Okay, and that's, uh, uh, th these, these second two points speak to that. In studying, we read God's eternal words to his people, not his private words to me. Okay, do you get that? In studying, we're looking for his corporate words to his people, not his personal words and how they directly uh, speak to me and my condition and my situation today. Now, God speaks to those things, don't get me wrong, and he uses the Scripture to do it often. That's not the point of studying. In Scripture, we read to understand what the text means, what it actually means, not what it means to me. You don't have a private truth. Can I say that to all of us? You don't have a personal truth. Truth is truth. Truth is a description of reality, as my mentor always said. Truth is a description of reality. We read and we study in order to understand the truth, not to understand my truth. 
Now, there are times when, when we, we interact with Scripture in a very personal way, and we say, Holy Spirit, speak through these words, and He does. And He does speak directly to our circumstance. But the words w weren't actually written to us personally. We're benefic beneficiaries of the Word of God, and He uses it to speak to us. But the point of studying is not the personal aspect, it's the corporate. And guys, I want to tell you, as people who, who one of our core values is the Holy Spirit is active. We believe God speaks to us, and we ought to. We believe in the experiential, and that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. We also need to understand the corporate speaking of God to us is extremely important. Extremely. And throughout the history, we see this pendulum swinging back and forth. Which is more important, his words to us as a king or his words to us as a father? Because really, we have that we have that benefit. It's sort of like, you imagine like you're, you're, you're a prince in the Middle Ages and you live in the castle and, and you can come into the courtroom and you can play chess against your father, the king. And he can speak encouraging words to you and you have this great relationship. But there comes a time when he steps out on the balcony and he gives a speech to the nation. And you go in the courtyard because you are also in his kingdom. He's your king. He's not only your dad, he's your king. You see, those are two ways that the Lord speaks. He speaks to us generally, but he also speaks to us individually. Study is to find out what was he saying to us, his people. And it's extremely important. Now, I'm rolling lots of stuff into this idea of studying. I'm not uh, uh, only looking at this as, you know, going into a, a library and pulling out, you know, stacks of concordances and maps and stuff like that. Um, hopefully some of us will do some of that. I, I think that's a, a beautiful thing and, and a thing that we ought to encourage ourselves and challenge ourselves a little bit more because sometimes, frankly, I think we're too, we're too easy on ourselves. Some of you guys are too easy on yourself because you go, I hear this from you all the time. Oh, I'm just not smart enough to, I don't know, I'm not very, I'm not very, I'm not like very smart, you know. And I'm like, you know what, you're too, too easy on yourself. It's all right to challenge ourselves in some of these areas. But I do want to let you know, I'm not only speaking of, of studying in, in that sort of grid. It's, it, I'm also talking about just general Bible reading in order to understand the scope of what's happening. Okay? So, getting started studying. First of all, get a paper Bible. Get a paper Bible. I know there's good things about it. I know this is cool technology. This is a very terrible Bible. I know version has like a thousand different, you could probably listen to the Bible in Klingon if you wanted to. And someone has actually done that. Yes, translated the Bible into Klingon. So whoop-de-doo, we can do lots of cool things. And if you're, you know, planning to go and minister to the Klingons, good for you. But most of us aren't. This is a terrible demonic distraction machine. When you are trying to, when you are trying to read scripture, this is a last resort, okay? It's a last resort. Get, please get a good paper Bible. Get one you enjoy. Get one that, that you know, you don't have to squint like this and look down and get a paper Bible that you actually enjoy reading and, and, and begin to use that. Uh, secondly, uh, choose a single book to study or find a good reading plan. This is what I mean uh, we're not, that we're also talking about general reading in here. Some of you guys do, how many of you guys do life journaling or have done life journaling before? Okay, I know a lot of the youth do life journaling. Okay, it's very cool. 
uh, you're reading several chapters a day, some selections from the Old and New Testament, and as you go through, you're getting the big picture story of Scripture, and that's wonderful. Uh, so f maybe find a good reading plan to do something like that. Um, for, for others of you, uh, find a single book. Maybe you've done some of that reading stuff before. Just find a single book and dig into it. Take one of Paul's letters, maybe. Start with Philippians. Or if you're new to Scripture, read through the book of John and take it slowly. Take it slowly. Uh, ask questions of the text. If you are reading the Bible and you do not have questions, you're not doing it right. If you're reading the Bible and you get everything, it's all, you understand everything, you're not doing it right. Because I promise you, you don't understand everything. You will have questions, and you ought to. You know why? Because it was written in a different culture to a different immediate group of recipients in a different language 2,000 years ago and more. That's the most recent stuff. So ask questions of the text. When you come to it, don't pretend you know everything. It's all right. Nobody knows everything. Come to it. Maybe pop up in a journal. Maybe get a pen and go and underline stuff and put big question marks and go, what in the world does this mean? Yeah, ask those. Maybe get highlighters and do them in big pink so that you remember, I don't understand this, and I want to come back and look at it. Interact with it. And uh, uh, begin to build resources as needed. Uh, maps, uh, commentaries, concordances, encyclopedias. Now, uh, some of these are electronic, and as you, as you take more focused uh, uh, pieces and studies, th this is a, a time when some of our electronic resources are gold. So um, that's totally cool. Uh, but begin to, to amass some of these and, and, and start to, just start to dabble in them a little bit. Maybe, uh, you know, you come in and you're reading about David and Goliath and the Philistines, and you want to understand a little bit, what's the big deal about the Philistines? Uh, why did they do this single combat thing? Well, guess what? You can take a good Bible encyclopedia or Bible dictionary, look up Philistines, and then to open up a commentary as, as you're seeing the single combat. And what was, why in the world would they even do that? And then you begin, you know what happens? This is what happens for me. The Bible goes from like a monochrome to a full color edition, you know? It goes from ha being black and white to, to seeing it vibrant and alive. And that's what I really seek to do when I'm reading. Because I want to know, how did, that, how did that sound? How did that smell? And so we begin to use our imagination. We begin to use the helps of resources. So with all of these, as we, as we begin to fill in colors we begin to understand what it is that God was trying to say to us. So, this is just a very, very brief overview. Um, we, uh, there's much, much more that can be said. People write entire books on just this one point, how to study the Bible. In fact, I have some great books I can point you toward. Um, and with all of this, we've got other resources we, we'd be happy to point you guys toward. Uh, but this is just the first step in, in, in study. And I'm going to hand it over to you now because we're going to take it in a different direction. So, on, um, on this rhythm of studying the Bible. Yeah, please. Um, would, would that be a daily rhythm? Would that be a weekly rhythm? What kind of a rhythm would that be? The studying part of Scripture. Obviously, Scripture is a daily rhythm, but... Right. Well, and, and that some of this, like I say, is going to depend on... Uh, there's so much flexibility built into this, you guys. Um, I think reading of Scripture, interacting with Scripture daily is important. For some people, the studying piece is going to be more intense than others, you know. Uh, you're not going to be able to make the same kind of investment every day into that. So maybe for some, that part of it is a weekly rhythm. Uh, but the overall reading of Scripture, I think, needs to be daily. Right on. I think that's a good clarification because what I don't want us to do is, you know, hear all these great resources. And for me, um, you know, I have the attention span of a gnat. And so once we get to like 
step You're being generous here, to yourself. That's true. It's true. Um, once, we, <laughs> once we get to, you know, section four, I'm already like, oh, when am I going to do this? And so I just, I appreciate the way you answered that. I think that's awesome. Well, I'm going to talk to you about two other things. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about memorization. And um, I love this, uh, this Psalm 119.93. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. So, okay, well, let's just start with that. <laughs> Where do I get life? From the precepts of God. The, these, are the, these are the pillars. These are the philosophies. These are the core values of God. I will not forget your scripture because from it you have given me life. So if there's a case for memorizing scripture, I think we see it immediately in Psalms. And it's there again and again and again. Um, so, so why memorize it? You know, you've already got it on your phone. If you need it, I can just bust out my phone and hope that I've got it at the ready. Um, well, here's the reality. The Bible is a big book. It's a large book filled with treasures. And when you're in the midst of, of needing to be able to draw from that, draw from that life that scripture says it gives us, that God has given us through the scripture, it's what's written on your heart. It's what you actually remember that helps you in that time of need. We're, we're actually transformed by these scriptures. So let me unpack this a little bit. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's this, there's this pull on us to be conformed to this world. Um, we, you, I don't have to tell you that there is a cultural pull for us to just kind of go along to get along. You know, it's all good. You, d you know, you just do you. You know, we hear these kinds of things all the time. No one should judge anyone else. Um, you know, these are some of the core values of this world. You should be able to do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. It's a core value of this world. All right. That's not a core value of the kingdom. Jesus didn't say that at all. He said, narrow is the way and few that choose it. And he also said, at the end of the age, I'm going to judge the world. <laughs> so, so that's pretty counter to what we hear. So how do we do this? How do we become conformed to this kingdom of love that's been ratified through the death of Jesus and his resurrection? How do we do that? We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's no way that we're going to be able to be followers and, and disciples unless we do this. So what we do is we actually allow the scriptures to shape and inform what we believe and how we think. Did you catch that? It's what we believe. Not only does it, does it shape what we believe, but it shapes how we think. You begin to think differently when, you're, when you've been transformed. Old things have passed away, new things have come. But how does this happen? Does it happen the instant that you believe in Jesus Christ? No, actually it does not. You are, you are entered into the kingdom through the work of Jesus Christ. But Christ is formed in you through the work that you do by following the, the, the commands that were given in Scripture. And one of those is knowing the Scriptures. The Scripture is actually transforming you as you do these things. I, you know, one of the things that was amazing for Jesus, this is just a quick aside, but it's important, it's not a, just a quick aside, I would say it's probably the number one for me anyway, and I think many of us here, is Jesus, when he was tempted of the devil, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He, the, the devil, oh yeah, thank you, I had to just hand it to you. Um, the devil comes and, and twists scripture out of context, right? Come on, Jesus had been studying, so he knew the context, and he also had memorized scripture, so he answered Satan with the proper scripture in context and defeated that temptation in that moment. All right, well, we're called to do the exact same thing. 
And I'll tell you something, beloved. If you don't have these things in place, you'll be defeated in those battles. Because when the enemy comes and quotes scripture, uh, as a young man, I really liked that scripture that said all things are lawful. I absolutely loved it. it was, I'm not even kidding. I sinned willingly and gladly with all things are lawful. The following part of the scripture is, but not all things are expedient. Come on. I was quoting some scripture to myself then. All right? So what we do is we have the scriptures in context. We've memorized them. When we are tempted, we actually defeat the enemy and guide our own soul because we've memorized those scriptures. Wow. Now, here's the other thing that's beautiful about memorization. It is portable. (laughs) It's simple and it's portable. You can take it with you anywhere that you go. It's always with you because you've written it on the table of your heart. The words of life are with you wherever you go. So let's talk about the, the, how do we actually do this? Well, the beautiful thing about memorization is it's very, very simple. Um, what you're going to do, I'm going to just put these all out in front of me so that I can, but check this out. First of all, find a great scripture. What, what I like to do is right now I'm in 1 John. I've been, I've been in 1 John actually for several weeks. I've just been camping out studying 1 John. And as I've been doing that, I keep finding these choice scriptures that I'm loving. And so what I'm doing is I'm starting to memorize some of those choice scriptures. And what they do is they remind me of the entire content of 1 John. They take me back to what is being written in 1 John, and they add strength to my life. And I'm being transformed by those scriptures. Now, once you find a scripture... Write it down. It doesn't have to be an index card. I like index cards because they fit into my pocket. Um, But write it on a piece of paper or on an index card. Carry them with you. And then you're just going to start reading the first line. How many of you guys, when when was the last time one of you memorized something? Seriously, raise your hand for real. Yeah, a couple of us. (coughs) Oh, I'm sorry. How many of you have recently been memorizing things? Yeah, it helps if I ask an intelligible question. Good night, right? And then several of us, right? It's... I forgot how. I mean, I just now started doubling down and memorizing some stuff because I knew I had to preach on it. And I was like, oh, I'll be a hypocrite if I don't do any of this. So that's the only reason. I'm just kidding. Um, But as I was getting back in, I realized, boy, it's been a long time since I have memorized more than like one line of anything. And so as I was stepping back into this, it was very helpful for me to just remember, you take it line by line, take the first idea, Write it down. You've written out your scripture. Read the first line. Read it out loud. Read it several times. Repeat it without looking at it several times. Then go to the next line. Same thing. Add the two together. On and on and so forth. It actually is quite easy. I'm not trying to patronize you. I went and read again. I'm like, how do you even do this? Because I was just trying to knock the whole thing down. I'm not even kidding. It's been like high school since I did this. Yeah, I know, right? Totally telling on myself. Um, the, the reason why I have been having any kind of transformation is because I've still been coasting on the scriptures that I memorized when I was a kid. That's how powerful they are. But that's all I had. I just had them locked and loaded. And I was starting to morph them into new scriptures that don't exist. So that's also good to go back and make sure you haven't memorized something funky. So I don't have time for a story, but you'll have to ask another time. <laughs> Jason called me out. I liked my version. I didn't call you out. You just kept saying this verse and I didn't recognize it. Where does that come from? And then we started like Googling it. We're like, I, this, this verse doesn't exist. <laughs> like, it is <laughs> in there. I will find it. 
Help me Google. <laughs> so at any rate, I want to encourage you, find those choice scriptures, write them down on index cards, and, and go to town. Just grab, even this week, just grab a couple. Just grab a couple and start memorizing it. Get that locked in. You need the same things that Jesus needed. Right? Come on. Do you at least need what Jesus needed? All right. Well, he needed this. He needed this to be Jesus. Come on. All right. The next one is meditation. I love meditation. Woo. Okay. So here's a scripture right here to make it legal. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. How often is that? Day and night. So that would be at least twice each day, right? Yeah, at least twice. Come on. So this is definitely a daily rhythm. We are called to meditate. We're, we're taught in scriptures to meditate. Now, this is a lost art for many of us. And yet it is in this place of meditation that for so many of us, we're looking for, we're, we're looking for that encounter with God. We're looking for that, um, if I can use this word, we're looking for the actualization of relationship with God. We're looking for intimacy. We're looking for peace. We're looking for wisdom, right? Are we not? We're looking for shalom. Shalom is found in quieting yourself and meditating with the Lord. I love this right here. Psalm 4610. We have this invitation here to cease, to stop striving, to stop trying so hard. Just stop. That's the first part of meditation. Just whatever you're doing, just stop. Stop it. You have permission to stop it <laughs> and to begin to meditate on God and his promises, to begin to meditate on his testimonies. Go ahead. When some people hear the word meditation, immediately something happens, especially in a Christian context. They, they immediately think of, uh, you know, New Age and, and Transcendental Meditation. What exactly are you talking about? That's a really good question. Thank you. I thought so. Yeah, especially when I said actualization I, is a trigger word. Yeah, that's why actually, I thought I'd I better that. ask you this Sorry, question. Guys. Actualization, that, like five people got up and just walked out. Well, the rest what, were Googling it. When I, I preached on this back in September, and I had the example of a tea bag in, in hot water, and I didn't realize it, but it actually said Zen on the, tea, on, on the tag of the tea. So I preached two services. So if you saw that, that was yeah, totally by remember? accident. I never saw the word Zen on the tea bag. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> anyway, sorry. I didn't want to distract you. I was trying to help. Okay, so here's the difference between, um, between Eastern meditation uh, the majority of Eastern meditation, and what we're called to do in Scripture. In, in uh, most of your New Age or Eastern meditation, and, and New Age is based on that, it's the idea of emptying your mind. It's emptying your mind of all things and then beginning to become aware of. Uh, you're silencing yourself, et cetera. You're, you're centering your chi. It's, but it's mostly the idea of, of emptying your mind. What we're called to do in meditation by Christ is actually to fill our mind with the Scriptures themselves, is to actually meditate on the character, the promises, and the scriptures. Okay, well, the, the character and promises are in the scriptures. So we're filling ourselves with scriptures and focusing on that and being filled with the actual spirit of God. So it's a very different thing. So Christian meditation essentially is centering on him, focusing on him, and letting him fill us 
as we meditate on the specific, those specific things. And we're called to do it in Scripture. Uh, sorry, I'm going to jump in here. Um, th- this specifically is, is, is Scripture meditation. There is, in fact, we're going to talk about when we talk about listening uh, as, as one of our uh, uh, rhythms of a disciple. There, we, we, can, we can meditate on his goodness. We can meditate of, of him speaking to us. This specifically is meditating on Scripture. But I, I just want to encourage you guys, don't feel like that word suddenly means you're in the new age or we're going some wonky way. Christians have been meditating on the scriptures and on the goodness of God since the days of Christ. Um, and this is one of those, I think this is one of those knee-jerk reactions that we've seen, one of those pendulum swings that we've seen that we think, oh, we've got to run away from that because new agers use that word. I promise you this is, this is something that's been in tradition, the Christian tradition for centuries. And, of course, Psalms actually says meditate on it day and night. So we can come down to that, yeah. So um, I want to, I want to, I am, how many of you have taken strengths finders? My second strength, if you've taken it, is belief. I can't cause myself to do anything unless I truly believe it has a value and a purpose. I can't, like, it doesn't matter, like, sword drills don't mean a flipping thing to me. I'm, I'm competitive, but not in that way. Like, you know 5,000 scriptures, great. Get your little sticker, I'm proud of you. Like, that's not enough for me to sit down and, and, and study scriptures. I have to know why this is valuable. What, am I, what is this doing right now? Why would I do this? And I love this scripture, John 6, 63, because it speaks to that for me, and I want to encourage you in this. Jesus is speaking. He says, it's the spirit who gives life. The, fle- the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they're life. In 1 John, it says that the word came and became flesh. Jesus is the word. There's a supernatural reality here that we as believers have to grab a hold of, and that is that the spirit inspired the scriptures. The scriptures speak of Christ, but also it goes even further that the words of Christ are what actually bring transformation and life in us. So when we meditate on the scriptures, Christ is actually formed in us. It's an act of will that causes spirit and life to happen in us. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind when we do these things. And if we don't do these things, we are not transformed. So I'm just, I, I, I can't say that enough. I, I would literally just loop back around and say it three different ways, the same exact thing. I'm not going to do that. But I'm telling you, there's, that, that is... That is truly the greatest treasure that we find in doing these things. We must meditate, memorize, and study the scriptures because without them, we will never be transformed. Does that make sense? Come on, is that worth doing? Yeah. All right, so here's a, here's a great meditation technique that we want to, and Jason actually taught this some weeks back, but we're going to hit it again because it's, it's so accessible and it's so rich. So let's just jump right in here. Um, we already did this. What did I do? Something dumb. Okay. So we're going to use we're going to use this scripture and I'm just going to walk you through this and we're going to do it. So here's the point of emphasis. Is simply taking a moment, doing what this says, just stop. Just stop. You're taking some time. You're going to schedule a time to meditate. I encourage you to, I'm going to just shut up and stay on point. All right, so here we go. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to emphasize the first word. Cease striving and know that I am God. Now think of meditation as letting this thought revolve around in your mind. You're looking at a gem and you're letting the light reflect into it and you're looking 
and you're seeing all the beautiful sides as the light reflects on that gem. This is the gem. You're pondering this. You're thinking about what is it saying? And we're emphasizing one facet. Cease. I'm going to stop for a moment. I'm going to cease striving and know that I am God. That's what it's saying. Cease striving. Then I'm going to go to the next word. Cease striving and know that I am God. Now I'm thinking about, okay, I'm ceasing striving, but that's not all I'm doing. I'm not just stopping and emptying my mind. It's and know that I am God. I'm invited to do more than just stop. I can know him in this moment. Cease striving and know that I am God. Oh, that's rich. I, I don't have to wonder. It makes me think of yada that God wants us to know him intimately as a, as, a, as a husband and a wife know each other. They're one. They can look in each other's eyes and just know because they yada, they know each other. And God's saying, I can cease striving and I can just know at the core of my being that he is God. Cease striving and know that I am God. It's done. I can know that. Cease striving and know that I am God. Who is that? That's personal. That's intimate. That's God speaking to me. Joshua, you can stop and you can know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. Now my mind immediately thinks of I am that I am. When Moses went to tell Pharaoh, God setting these people free, my mind immediately goes, this is I am. I am that I am. He's God. And then finally, cease striving and know that I am God. There is no one else. I got good reason to cease striving. God says I can know him. Isn't that beautiful? And it's just in a moment of taking your time, quieting yourself, and beginning to let that, letting, letting that scripture speak for itself, but a point of emphasis. And you've already been studying, so you're not going to just take this thing out of context. No, this is meditating on one piece of it. Isn't that good? Now, here's something that's interesting that you'll find is that uh, if you closed your eyes right now, go ahead, close your eyes right now, and I won't make you say it out loud, but whisper it to yourself. What did that say? Yeah, you just memorized it. It's very helpful as you're memorizing these scripture verses to meditate on them. You'll find that you memorize them, and as you memorize them, you'll find that you end up meditating on them. I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do another scripture and, um, but one thing I wanted to share with you that has just transformed my sleep this last month, which has been wonderful. The enemy loves to wake me up in the middle of the night and uh, mess with me. Anxiety, lust, fear, you're going to die. I guess that's fear, right? So anyway, that's where he likes to mess with me. And so I've been taking, I've been going on the, on the offensive. And what I've been doing is as I'm going to sleep at night, I just go through the scripture verses that I've memorized. And sometimes I'll just go through all of them. Other times I'll meditate on them as I'm going to sleep. And it's so cool. And I'll just do that point of emphasis as I meditate. I've been sleeping beautifully well. And if I wake up in the night and he wants to mess with me, I'm like, oh, good. I was wanting to go through my scriptures anyway. Thank you, Satan. You just sit here and listen. I got a testimony for you. And then get out. All right, let's do this right here. So what I'm going to do is we're going to put on some... Uh, we're going to put on some, some lovely background music. I would encourage you um, when you do meditate to 
try to use silence as much as possible. Don't distract yourself. But here, because we're all together, it's kind of nice when we have a little thing to keep us from hearing each other's nose whistle is mostly it. So here we go. So go ahead and put some music on. I want you guys to just take a moment, and I want you to do the point of emphasis. Even you can just whisper it under your own breath, but let's just go through this. Let's meditate on this scripture. We're going to do that for about five minutes, and we'll wrap up. Isn't that beautiful? Just even in those few moments, just to interact with God through Scripture. God has chosen to remain invisible because he wants us to choose him through love. 
He's been revealed through Jesus Christ. He will not coerce us and he will not manipulate us into serving him. He seeks those that would worship him in spirit and truth. And what that means is that there's an invitation for us to choose him without being coerced in any way. Now, to see him would immediately trigger, I have to choose you and not die, or I am clearly going to die because you are God and you are huge. So he wants us to activate our will to know him. So when you hear the gospel, which is the scriptures, and respond to that, that's the beginning Someone comes and shares the testimony, and you enter into eternal life believing in Jesus. From there, our ongoing relationship with him is to interact with him consistently through the scriptures by revelation of the Holy Spirit, but the act of will for us to actually do these things. Again and again and again, we see in scripture where Jesus says, you, my words are spirit and life. These are my commands. Happy are you if you hear them. No, that's not what he says. Happy are you if you do them. You see, it's not in hearing about things that we're transformed. It's in doing those things. And the reason why there's an invitation for us to do this, I want you to catch this, is because it's the act of will. It's the act of will. Lord, I will to be with you. I will to choose you. I will to be sanctified and transformed by you. I will to meet with you in the scriptures. I will to write them on the tablet of my heart. You see, that takes us actually doing these things. For anyone here who has been frustrated in your walk with the Lord and not seeing the transformation that you were hoping for or not seeing the character ability or the strength or the shalom, the peace that, that, that the scriptures speak of. I want to encourage you that this is where we get to meet with him is in these places of study and meditation and memorization. And as you do this, you will find that you are being transformed day by day. And you will begin to gain a strength that you have not actually accessed before because though you had heard about it, you did not will to actually do anything about it yet. So this is the invitation to be like Christ and embrace these rhythms of a disciple. And I pray that you will. And I promise you, you will not regret it. Let's stand up and pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Made flesh, Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for the word that you've written so that we can all connect with you objectively in light of your scriptures. Father, I pray that today would not just be a meeting where we heard about some stuff and went home and forgot. I pray that today would be a watershed moment for Christ Center, that everyone in this house, Lord, this tribe, would choose to begin to embrace these rhythms. Lord, we thank you for the fruit that we will bear in our lives as we continue to obey you in these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer servant team is coming. If you need prayer or encouragement or a word of knowledge or whatever you need, come on up. The prayer servant team is here to bless you in the ministry to which Christ has called you. Love you guys.